0: Alright? That better? Good. In the baptistry, I pushed the wrong button, I guess. Alright? So, I am. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking about that. The first week, we talked about Jesus comparing Himself as the I am, is that He is the I am, the I am, and giving that comparison of how He is with God the Father, He was with Him at the creation, and so He is the Son of God, and the beginning of that. And then we talked about Jesus being the bread of life, And that as the bread of life, that He is the daily sustenance that we need from Him for eternal life. Not biological life, but life eternal. And that daily we go and we take from and eat from the bread that He provides for us. And so that that bread also is bread that's for everyone. It's not based upon your your, um, social standard, your education, or anything like that. But it totally is... For everyone, and then also we talked about Jesus being the light of the world, and that as followers of Jesus, that He is the light, and is the resident, as He takes residence with inside of us through the person of the Holy Spirit, therefore, then we as Christians, which Christians literally means little Christ, as little Christ, we go around the world that we are the light of the world, and that we illuminate the places of darkness, that we illuminate evil as followers of Jesus because light lives within us has taken residence within inside of us and so it, we are the flavor of the world we are the light of the world and everywhere we go people are looking at us because there's something different about us in the midst of darkness and in the midst of evil we are to be shining light right and so the more that we lift up the light the more that we lift up Jesus the brighter the light is and so we are the light of the world. And this morning, we're going to look at the idea of Jesus as the Good Shepherd. And so again, this is these are terms that would have been very common terms or very common ideas for Jesus's culture, for Jesus's time. And they would have understood, hey, every single day we go to the market to buy bread so that we can eat dinner together. We don't necessarily do that. We go to H-E-B and our bread lasts for two or three months, right? And so you pull it out one day. You remember you need you want a sandwich, and you pull it out, and well, you got mold on it, right? So it's just a, a different day. And so we go into a room, and when it's dark, we don't go and find something to, to light it up. We just flip the switch, and the whole entire place comes in. Now we have these LED lights that supposedly we don't have to change them for 30 years. Okay. And so we just live in a totally different world. And so this morning, as we continue this idea of Jesus as the I am here, he is saying he is the good shepherd. And most of us haven't been shepherds. We haven't been around sheep a whole lot. But so let's kind of put ourselves for a moment in Jesus's day. And so as Jesus would have been walking around again, we would have, he would have, they would have seen shepherds everywhere. And shepherds were young men, all right, and they owned their own sheep. They would have owned them. And they, in the Middle East, whenever they owned sheep, they didn't just have them for a few months or for a year and then sell them off to slaughter. They owned their sheep for seven, eight, nine, ten years. The life of the sheep from you to adult sheep was theirs, okay? And so they took care of them and provided for them. And so whenever they would call out their name, they would have recognized their name. And there's this long-standing relationship with the sheep. So the shepherd would also have the tools of being a shepherd. So the tools of being a shepherd, one, they had their little bag, their little knapsack that they would, uh, a man's handbag, we could call it, all right? So they had their little bag and they would have their food. So it would be cheese, it would be bread, it would be wine, it would be some olives, some things that they would need to sustain them for the day or maybe even a couple of days as they went out, sometimes during the warm season. Um, to take care of the sheep. But that also they would have their, their um, rod, and the rod was something that they would develop on their own. And so they would, as a young boy, their father would sit down with them and help them develop and the length of the rod, the weight of the rod, and exactly how it would fit for them. And so that as they would practice every single day throwing that rod so they could hit a target and be able to, to use it to direct and to discipline the sheep. Because there's going to be moments, See, we understand, whenever we think about shepherding, we think about, hey, there's hundreds if not thousands of, of acres of green grass that's, that's properly prepared. But in the Middle East, they didn't have that. I mean, most of the Middle East is desert. And so the shepherd would have to go before and actually plan out their path, would actually have to plan out the route to find the good pasture, to develop the good pasture, to make sure that whenever they led them out of the sheep pen into the places of good food and of good water, that they would have prepared that and have spent time doing it. And so along the way, there's going to be distractions along the way to the good pasture. There's going to be opportunities for the sheep to look away and get distracted. So on those paths, as you look back, you can look back at Psalm 23 and David describes those. He says, you know, we we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And so that the sheep are literally walking through some, some treacherous paths. And if they don't follow and listen to the shepherd's voice, and if they don't, the shepherd is not able to correctly use his tools like his rod and throw it and quickly help redirect the sheep, they're going to fall over and they're going to die, which is exactly what the shepherd doesn't want. And so he has to spend time with his tools and to know his tools. And so one of those is that rod. And the other one is a slingshot. Now, not the slingshot that you and I broke out car windows with accidentally, you know, where you would, you had the little stick and you would pull it out and it would go. But they'd actually had two leather straps and a leather thing in the middle, and they would be able to, to work it. But they were actually more accurate. They could hit something um, as small as, like this size, whatever size that is, a quarter size, they could hit it from about 100 yards away with great force. So much so that they've done the research, because, you know, people always question biblical stories, and they're like, nobody can, nobody can be so accurate and so forceful with a slingshot as to hit Goliath in the head and kill him. And they've actually done the research and they said it is not only possible, it is extremely possible. That it is very unlikely that someone of David's skill as a shepherd at his age would have missed and um, with a great amount of force. And so you can imagine here's a shepherd in those moments where there's something, a treacherous moment or something's attacking that they could throw with that slingshot with great accuracy and if not hit the sheep but just kind of scare them and move them but then also um, be able to, if something's attacking, they could kill the bear they could kill the wolf or at least harm them in such a way to keep them from attacking the sheep. Not only did they have their slingshot and their rod, but they also had their staff. And the staff is the crook that you know about. It's that long thing. And so they would use that again for protection and safety. So as the sheep were coming in at night, one of the things with the crook is they would stop them in the path and just kind of hold them and do a careful inspection. Or they would put that long staff in front of the gate. And as the sheep were coming in, the sheep would run underneath it and their, their wool would move back and forth and they'd be able to do a quick inspection to see Hey, is there something, was there harm? Did they have anything happen to them while they were out that maybe I missed? And so a quick inspection underneath the sheep to make sure that they're okay and good for the night, that there's no pains or whatever. And again, if you look over in Psalm chapter 23 that David talks about, as a sheep come in at night, that you pour oil over them to protect them. There's this anointing oil of protection and of healing. Um, So here we have all of this. And then Jesus is talking to the religious people and he says, listen, there's others that have come before me that have talked about being shepherds and have talked about being leading you to a place of eternal life. But here I am as a good shepherd. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 10. If you don't have your Bibles, look it up on your iPhone or your Google phone or whatever you got. Or if there's Bibles there in front of you, grab one. In my book, in my Bible, it's page 907. I have no idea what page it's on in the ones in front of you, okay? So we're in John chapter 10. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 10, verse 1. He says this, I tell you the truth. Some of your versions, if you have an older version, may say verily, verily, or literally, amen, amen. So which is the beginning in, in, in Jesus' day, whenever they would enter into a place of worship, there would be this this dialogue back and forth. You know, sometimes I say, hey, you can talk to me. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all... y'all been here before, and so whenever I say, you can talk to me, that was actually very common in Jesus' day. They would ask questions of the preacher, and the preacher would then go, hey, verily, verily, I'll say to you, I'm I'm telling you the truth, amen, amen, here I am helping you understand the Scripture in a different way. And so here Jesus is giving an illustration of truth. I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. Now that word thief, we get our word kleptomaniac from. Y'all heard of that word? Okay, their thief literally is klepto, so someone who steals, someone who enters into the pen with a desire to, with a purpose to bring harm to the sheep that are in the pen. Now in Jesus' day, there were two types of pens. There was a pen that was a community, family, multiple family type pen. So they would have all the houses around and they would look down into the sheep pen at night, kind of a courtyard type thing. And so in that courtyard, there would be the houses and the gate and the fence, whatever, all around it. And then there would be one entrance of that area like a strong arm or a strong gate is what they would call it so as the shepherds came in from the day they would bring their sheep in and they would let them rest and settle the shepherds would go have have their time you know whatever but they would hire a watchman a hired hand who would stand by the gate block the gate, and stand there and protect them. And so he understood that, hey, they've, they've got this part because their houses are there and someone would have to break through the houses or to get into there, but I'm responsible for the gate. No one enters, no one comes in, no one goes out without express written permission, without a hand seal, without an eye scan, whatever it is, they can't enter into this place or leave this place without my permission. I have to know them. I am the hired hand, and they have to have been one of the ones that has hired me. So that's, that's one sheet pen. The other type of sheep pen is whenever, the, during the warm season, the shepherds would go out and they would travel, so they would move further away. So again, they're helping them find better pasture during the warm season. So as they're finding these better pastures, one of the things that they would have had done and one of the things that they would have done in preparation is they would have built portable mini sheep pens, okay? So they would put up some rocks and, and do that. And So if you look at even pictures today, the shepherds in the Middle East, there's still some of those pens that they've... I'm sure hundreds, if not thousands, of years old, that these shepherds have used these sheep pens, and so they would put them up to a certain height, and then they would put thistles and thorns and things on top. So if you've ever traveled to other countries, I know um, Thailand, Guatemala, other places, whenever they build a fence to protect their house, what do they do? They put sharp objects on top of their fence. They don't have ADT; they've got glass. And so if you walk by one of those things and you're thinking, hey, I'm going to thieve, you're going to come out without a hand or you're going to shred yourself trying to get in. And so this is what those shepherds would do is, hey, they would build this sheep pen and they would put sharp things on top because they understood that they were going to be, in that moment, they were the gate. There wasn't a strong gate. There wasn't a watchman. It was them and them alone. And so they would build that sheep pen and put the sharp things on top because they were literally, as the shepherds, laying in the gate. They were the ones that the sheep could only come and go through them by them being the gate. And so here Jesus is continuing with this idea, and he's saying, listen, there's two types of sheep pens. And the first one that he's talking about is this community family one where they've got a strong door, okay? So the thief tries to break in. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of a sheep. In other words, this watchman knows, hey, I know this guy. They're coming in. I give them admittance. I'm going to unlock the door. They've passed the scan. Verse 3, the watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. So imagine this early morning. He gets up. He walks past the watchman. The watchman opens the door. He goes in. And listen, there's multiple families, right? There's multiple shepherds, so there's multiple sheep. And so it's the moment... That the shepherd says to the watchman, hey, I'm here, can you open the door? The sheep's ears immediately perk up and they're like, that's my boss, that's my shepherd, that's my lord, that's my master, that's the guy that I'm following today. And so as he calls out to them, he enters into the sheep pen and he would get to a certain place within the sheep pen and begin to call his sheep out and, and, and just utter, replies, utter commands. And as he's uttering these commands, he would then also call them out by name. Hey, Sally. Hey, John. Hey, brown ear. Hey, black leg. I mean, he would have names of comfort to them and he would call them out and they would know their name because, again, he's established a relationship with them not over days and weeks, but of months and of years. And so they know in that moment when you call out someone's name that they know that's their name and they call out and they're moving through. And so you can imagine what would seemingly at points seem like chaos to us is that multiple shepherds possibly in the sheep pen at the same time and they're calling out their sheep and all of these sheep are having to discern the voice of their shepherd over the other shepherds and over the voices of of the bleeding and the bang and all the different noises that are happening. They can All through that, they can hear their shepherd's voice and work their way to the feet of the shepherd and stand there and wait for him to lead them out. That's a really cool picture of how God talks to us is that he calls us out by name and there's all these other voices, there's all these other things, and that our attention, our hearing, our stuff is supposed to be attuned to him because he's speaking to us specifically by name and he's calling to us and he's calling commands to us that even as he says, hey Sally, he's watching us move through the crowd and he's giving us commands so that we can come to the feet of the shepherd and ready for him to lead us from a place of safety and security, right? They've been safe and secure all day and they understand that we're a about to leave safety into security, which has been cool, but now we're leading out, and we're going out to a place where we can be attacked, we can be harmed, but we also know that the good shepherd leads us to the good pasture land, but that we have in this very moment, we have to listen to his voice, here he goes, he continues on, the sheep listen to his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. This is one of the differences between uh, Middle Eastern shepherds and and modern shepherds. Modern shepherds have sheep dogs, and those dogs bark and do all kinds of things. And what are they doing? They're pushing, they're directing, they're driving the sheep. Well, in the Middle East back in that day, and still even today, the shepherds lead the sheep. So he would call the sheep to himself by his name, and then he would utter commands, and he would begin to walk, and the sheep would follow in his path. And it's almost like the ducks after the mother... Duck. You know they're they're kind of walking in paths, and so they're going out because they understand that he's not going to lead them somewhere that he hasn't been. See, the good shepherd takes us to places that he knows and he's experienced and he's been because he's prepared the path, he's prepared the way, he's gone to the past where the good is at. He knows where the streams are at. He knows where he can take us to a stream and we can drink from it and that the waters are not too swift because she- sheep, their feet are such that if they get on something that's slippery, what are they going to do? They're going to slip and they're going to fall. So one of the greatest fears of sheep is that they'll come on the edge of a stream and the water is moving too fast or it's too slick and they would slip and fall and get into the water and they're swept away. And so the shepherd, the good shepherd, knows exactly the places where his sheep can stop and they can drink and it's a place of safety. He knows where they can go and they can eat to full, to the place where they can eat so much, they can drink so much, that they can literally lay down in pastures and feel safe and comfort and protection. But that they also, as they look back over their path, they understand that the Good Shepherd led them through the valley of the shadow of darkness, that He led them through some treacherous passes, some treacherous places, and there was some discipline, there was some pain, there was some redirection of their vision, there was some redirection of their focus, so that they could get to that place of the pasture. They could get to that place of the water because the good shepherd has gone before. And so here Jesus is saying, listen, I'm the good shepherd. I'm not going to drive you to a place that I'm not willing to go. I'm not going to drive you to a place that I haven't already been. I'm not going to drive you to a place that I haven't experienced. But I'm going to walk you to the place. I'm going to walk you through the past. I'm going to walk you through treacherous places that you need to go to get to the place of rest and plenty. Because he came that not only that we would have life, but that we'd have super abundance of life again a beautiful image verse 5 but they will never they will never follow a stranger in fact they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice this reminds me of the idea of hey that whenever you know that you're walking down a path and it's a dangerous path the scripture teaches us the principle is that there's red flags within inside of us. That still small voice kind of raises up and says, hey, this is not the path that you want to go. Stop. And the biblical idea is to repent, to turn and go in a different direction. And so that the sheep hear a voice and they realize it's not the good shepherd's voice. It's not the good father's voice. And then in that moment, they stop. They listen. And it's clarified to them, no, that is not a voice that I want to follow. That is not a direction that I want to go. They're leading me down a path. They're distracting me. So I'm going to stop and I'm literally going to turn and I'm going to run in a different direction. As a matter of fact, Timothy says, flee from sin, right? Run away from it as fast as you can possibly get away from it. Here the sheep are. They recognize that there's something that's harmful to them. They stop and they flee and they run in the opposite direction for us to listen to the Father's voice. To listen to the shepherd's voice. And in that moment when we're distracted by something that's not his voice, to stop. To listen. And it's not the shepherd's voice, to turn and to run. Because it's not going to lead us to life. Verse 6. So Jesus used this figure of speech, literally this parable, but they did not understand what he was telling them. So he continued to teach. Verse 7. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, verily, verily, I say unto you, amen, amen, I say unto you, I am the gate for the sheep. So now we've moved from this community sheep pen to now the sheep pen where it's a smaller one. They've been traveling together. And he is literally laying down in the gate. He is the one. You can only enter through him. He has to say to you, yes, you can enter in. I know you, you can come in to my sheep pen. I tell you the truth I am the gate for the sheep all who came before me were thieves kleptos and robbers but the sheep did not listen to them these are during this time there were lots of false teachers And that 400 years, there was about 400 years of silence from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And in that time, there was this this sense that something was happening. God was up to something. There was this waiting period, this great expectation, anticipation. So there were a lot of teachers that were doing things and people were following them. But all the time, every time it came back to you, they were after their money. They were after something. They were zealots after their own glory and their own. So Jesus is saying, listen, all those guys that have come before have been about their own good. I am the good shepherd. I'm willing to give my life. For you. Um, continue on to verse eight. I, all who came ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and he will go out. He will find pasture. In other words, we have a relationship. We can come and go with him because he knows us by name. He recognizes we recognize him, and we can go to that place of rest. Look at verse ten. This is one probably many of you know if you've been around church for a little while. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. If he'll recognize that, it just continues to get worse. If he can't steal from you to take from you, he's going to try to kill you. If he can't kill you, he's going to try to destroy you. This constant movement toward anything he can possibly do to harm you and to defame you, he's going to do it. But here Jesus says, on the other hand, I have come, the good shepherd, I have come that they may have life... Zoe life, spiritual life, life eternal, and have it to the superabundance, abundance, abundance of life. It doesn't really come over well into our English, but it's this idea of there is no exhausting the life. There is no exhausting what I provide for you, for us. While one comes to harm, I give everything you need. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep because there are going to come attacks. There are going to come opportunities where the wolves are going to come, where the bears are going to come, when we're outside of the safety of the sheep pen and we're going about our day and we're doing our thing and and we quickly get distracted as sheep. We're, we're, We're following grass and we're doing that. And so the Good Shepherd is constantly, right, he's throwing the rod. He's correcting with the staff. Every once in a while he's got to throw the slingshot to kind of get a little bit of extra love and attention upon us. And so he's willing in those moments that those things aren't going to work. And so sometimes you're going to throw something at a bear and you're not, going to, you're not going to hurt it, but you're going to agitate it. And so the bear keeps coming and keeps attacking. And so he's saying, listen, I'm different from all the other shepherds. I'm different from the hired hands. I'm different from the shepherds that are only out for their own good. I'm willing to put myself between the bear and you and to give my life for you. That's how much I care. We have a, an ability to look back and to see and understand what Jesus was talking about. He's willing to lay down his life. For his sheep, the hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf, he comes running. He abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. Never, I don't know if y'all ever remember this. I've seen it in um, on reruns, but there's a cartoon and there's this big sheep dog. I think his name is Ralph. Is that right? And then there's the coyote. What's the coyote's name? Wiley. Yeah, how how did I forget that? Ralph and Wiley, all right? And so they're out there, and he's always trying to get the sheep. And the sheepdog is always there, and he's always present watching over. And he will do anything to protect the sheep. And it reminds me of this, is that, listen, no matter where you go, no matter where you're at, the Good Shepherd is watching over you and protecting you and making sure that you're cared for and protected. Continuing on, verse 13. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. He only cares about himself. I am the good shepherd, and my sheep, and I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. This isn't just an intellectual knowledge. It's an experiential knowledge that they've experienced the goodness of the good shepherd. He's taken them in places. And again, this is all throughout the New Testament. Whenever God talks about knowing me, it's not just intellectual. It's actually experiencing it. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for my sheep. Jesus is the Good Shepherd. As the Good Shepherd, He provides for us. He leads us. He protects us. He's everything we possibly need. He is the I Am. This morning, my prayer is is that you know the Good Shepherd that as He calls you out, that He calls you out by name and that you're able to respond, that you know His voice and that you can walk through the most treacherous of paths. You can walk in places that seem unsafe to other people, but because you're following His lead, you know that He's already walked this path. You know that His desire is to lead you through this treacherous path. What may seem like craziness to other people that you understand that you've walked this before, you've walked with Him before, and known He's walked it before. On the other side of what may seem craziness is a beautiful pasture and water that you can drink from and that you can lay down and you can rest. But there are going to be those moments we can't always gather on Sunday in the sheep pen because Monday's coming but to know that He's leading us and He's calling us out. Let's pray together. You are a good, good Father and You are a great shepherd. You're a good shepherd. Your very character is good. Father, I pray that we would this morning, just as we've heard Your words through singing, that we've heard Your words through Scripture and teaching, That, Father, You would just allow this truth to marinate in us. That You want to know us by name and have a relationship with us in such a way that, that we hear You amongst all the other distractions, amongst all the other voices, amongst everything else that the world throws at us to distract us. That we can stop and listen and to hear Your voice and to hear Your commands over anything else. And to trust You as the Good Shepherd that You are only going to lead us to paths of life. To superabundant, abundant, abundant life. And all other voices, all other things are going to lead us and try to steal from us, try to kill us and destroy us. But Father, that You have come that we may have life and life to the full. And we say yes to you as our good shepherd and to that life. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.